0: Online, on smart speakers, and on listen again. This is Food FM.
1: The Drinking Hour with David Kermode in partnership with Club Onologique. The world through the lens of wine and spirits.
0: This week, Romain Ott. The name is Provence Rosé Royalty, but he chose a neighbouring estate, Chateau Hubes, to forge his career, pioneering organic rosé, white, and red wines on a stunning stretch of the Côte d'Azur, and even crafting a super Tuscan style wine in Provence. We'll find out how. The name Ott has an indelible link with Provence, but Romain Ott chose a next-door neighbour to pursue his career making organic wines. In 1997, Chateau Leoub was purchased by the Bamford family, famous for JCB diggers, of course, but also farmers and organic pioneers since the 1970s. And Romain joined them on their journey, building a portfolio of wines which has ridden the wave of Provence Rosé, though there's arguably as much attention given to white and red wines, far less famous from the region, of course. And I'm delighted to say that Romain joins us now from the south of France. Uh, Romain, welcome to The Drinking Hour.
1: Thank you. Uh, Thank you, David, for welcoming me. Very pleased to talk to you today. Well, it's a great uh, pleasure to talk to you as well. You grew
0: up in Provence, of course, very close to Chateau Leub, and the odd name is rose royalty. Really, it's fair to say rose must kind of
1: pulse through your veins. I don't know if it uh, throws to to my veins, but uh, yes, I, I'm the. Usually, I. I just to explain as a joke, but it's not a joke. I'm the neighbor's son. Uh, that's when I grew up really next door to Chateau Uh, and, uh, of course, with the Rosé production uh, around me and in my family. And, uh, Rosé is, uh, historic in Provence and, uh, and, and its production is really dedicated to, to this wine, uh, with a savoir faire and, uh, sort of history uh, of the rosé-making. Yes, I mean,
0: you are the neighbour's son, that's true. It does sound like it's a joke, as you say, but it's actually true. The Ott name, I mentioned it's uh, rosé royalty and you're being very modest, but tell us about the family, because you have this incredibly long-running connection with this style of wine, don't you?
1: Uh, Of course, uh, when you... Grow up in a winemaker family with a, a, a style, with a, a sort of... I'm sorry. Uh, when, when you grow up in, in a winemaker family for who the, the only target is quality and balanced wine, of course, uh, you have it uh, in your mind every day and that's the, the way to act for, for you. Yeah, my family was probably the pioneer of one of the pioneer on the rosé making and they wanted to to produce a, a high quality wine uh and sell it many many years ago uh which is was very uh, rare at the at this moment uh and uh, yeah it's still a, a style and a reference uh, in provence because they were the, the pioneer on the Winemaking, rosé, high-quality rosé winemaking and uh, selling all around the world. So, of course, yes, I, I kept a, a part of this philosophy.
0: And it's worth saying the Ott name, Domaine Ott, uh, goes back a very long way. Um, that's actually now part of um, a different owner, isn't it?
1: Yes, it is. Uh, it is. Uh, but the 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 story continues, and uh, the production and the sales and the quality of the range of uh, this company is still still growing and still running. Oh yes, it certainly is.
0: And you moved across um, to Chateau Leub, which was purchased by uh, the Bamford family, um, obviously a, a fairly famous uh, british name because of uh, jcb jc bamford the uh, diggers and the excavation kind of equipment yeah. um, they purchased uh, chateau les in 1997 long before provence rosé uh, became the height of fashion that it is today they the bamfords were really ahead of their time weren't they
1: I would say yes and no. You know, at the beginning, they, they were not especially looking for a wine estate. Uh, there's no secret on that. And they were looking for a place, uh, in the south of France and probably got the opportunity to buy Chateau Léoub. Uh, they were ahead in, ahead in, on, of that time, maybe not on the Rosé, Market or rosé making, uh, but probably, uh, on the, um, the specific and the rarity of the, of the place and, and the attractivity of the Provence, uh, because now it's very, very attractive, not only for the wines, but for the, just the location. And, uh, yes, they were probably, uh, ahead of their time, as you said, uh, on this point. But you know, there are farmers, uh, they are not only, um equipment or machine, uh, builders and, and productors. They, they also are farmers and they're respect, respectful on the environment. Uh, and as there were vineyards on Chateau Leub on Leub, uh, they decided to develop the wine production, uh, on the high quality. And, uh, yes, it's, now we could say they they were uh they were ahead of their time because uh they wanted to uh refurbish the, the whole estate and the vineyard uh with only one objective was quality and only quality and quality first, which is just exceptional uh for the place and uh Maybe they were a little ahead because they knew that was the probably not the only way, but the best way for a one-state development.
0: It's a very good point you make that uh, they are famous for... Yellow Diggers, the Bamford name. But of course, uh, yes, they're great landowners here in the UK too. Yes. And, and Dalesford uh, Organic is a, a huge business uh, now, as is uh, the Bamford uh, business uh, too for uh, cosmetics and uh, fashion and so forth. So they're uh, entrepreneurial without any doubt. Talking about Chateau Léu, oh. as an estate, it has this huge house uh, which uh, the Bamfords lovingly restored at no doubt great expense and the estate itself has an illustrious history dating back more than 500 years you even have French not royalty exactly because you don't have a royal family uh, anymore (laughs) but you have a president um, as a near neighbor there don't you
1: Yes. Yes, we have. Uh, we have. Uh, it's a, yeah, Châtelet very is a very old property. Uh, uh, you know, it was uh, also a place of uh, pilgrimage, a huge estate, probably bigger than it is today. And he had the different owners uh, and each one uh, gave a part of... The story um, with the different uh, activities, different refurbishment uh, they they did on the estate. Uh, so yeah, it's a huge estate uh, on a specific area, and it's a classified area or protected area in France. And yes, one of our neighbors, is uh, the résidence d'État, so the president's one of the president's house. Uh, I would say summer house. Um, it is really close. Uh, it's Fort Bregançon. Uh, it was a a military place at the beginning, I would say, few, few centuries uh, ago. And in 1924, uh, he just stopped to be a military Point, um and became a, a résidence d'état uh, in 68 uh, and uh, it's classified like a historic monuments now uh, at the beginning in the area all the the, the owners uh, locally wanted to protect this area to protect this area and um, so they worked a lot sort of internal rules or neighborhood rules uh, and then uh, just to, to protect this area, um, it was a little bit long, uh, and uh, I think it was in the 70s. The president uh, just asked for the classification of the area, and now we are what we call a site classé that's in a protected area. The place is just amazing. It is. I've been there, and it's beautiful. Absolutely breathtaking. Uh, tell
0: us about the soil, the land, the terroir that you uh, grow the grapes on.
1: Châteloup is located in, really on the coastline, uh, on a, a shist, the schistous part of the Provence, that's in really the, the coastline, uh, which is a little different compared to the, the rest of Provence, which is more caperous. Uh We are on uh, a, a mix of... Uh, clay, sand, and uh, schist, uh, which is um, very well-drained. They are, yeah, I would say poor soil, uh, but very um, active. Uh, Mineralization and the activity in the soil is is high. Uh, So it allows us to, to produce really balanced Grapes and vines, um, of course, we need to, to help it, uh, by, uh, seeding, by, uh, organic, uh, manure, by green, by uh, green manure, uh, using. And, um, it's, yeah, it's probably a little, different on the balance of the grapes uh, compared to the north of po- the north of Provence uh, so that's the soil but uh, after that you have the climate which is very helpful because really close to the sea uh, and there's a lot of uh, you know, the, the sea temperate a lot of the climate uh, the winter is never too cold uh, and the summer is hot but never too hot because of the breeze and the humid nights and fresh nights so it's a very good alternancy on the maturity and all those two uh, plus the action of the growers uh, makes the terroir yes it's a very specific uh, terroir because uh, because of the schistus because of the schistus soil because of the sea and because know uh, is like a sort of an amphitheater of, uh, 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 between the hills behind it and the sea face to it so it's very protected. It-
0: does feel like an amphitheatre when you stand on the hills as well and look out towards the sea. It's uh, a really awe-inspiring view. It's a very good word, amphitheatre, to describe it. Um, You farm organically, of course. Uh, Why is organic viticulture important?
1: Organic? Uh, Now we we call it organic. Now there's some rules and some certification, but it's just... uh... I would say the right sense you know it's in French we say le bon sens paysan so farmers right sense so that's for me the the logical way uh, to to cultivate of course we don't use any pesticides we don't use any weed killers the aim is to have the the high respect of the plants uh, and because i think main part of the job a winemaker uh, is done in the vineyard Uh, if you do all your best to get balanced vines they will give you balanced fruits and those fruits will give you balanced wines Uh, so it's it's just for me especially in such area it's just no sense to work differently you know Mm. it's it's a normal way you can't you can't spray, uh, you can't spray uh, pesticides, you can't spray some weed killers uh, because if you want to have real balanced products and the you know all you think you, you spray all the things you put in the soil at the end, you will get them back in the wines one day. So more you are respectful, more you are traditional. Mm more you yeah, respectful of, of the plants, more you will have um, balanced wines and digestible wines, which is very important too. Yeah, organic, now we are, uh, today we are certified because just to explain people how we work, uh, because the, it's very easy to understand when you see the labels, oh, it's organic, that means they are respectful. But um, yeah there's a certification but we had the certification in we asked for it in two thousand and eight. Uh it was uh, efficient in eleven, but it didn't change anything from the beginning. That's been from two thousand when I joined the estate. So it's just yeah, the normal way. I think now more and more, especially in the region we are where we are, uh it's it's becoming the the normality i think
0: yes you make it sound
1: like a very natural decision yeah of course <laughs> of course yes of course yes you know there's now we put some words on on um methods on um, we call biodynamic we call it organic yes uh we yeah, pruning with the moon. You know, it's just this, the, the the normal normal way. Uh, for example, you know that you can spray some nutrients and uh, some uh, contact um, products. Uh, if you spray at specific uh, pair of the moon cycle, it's probably more efficient. Just because it's in with the subflow. So it's now we call it with words uh, and put some names on it. Uh, but it's just sorry again the, the right sense or the normal uh the normal way i think yes i mean so many people i speak to about what you would call bio or
0: uh, organic yeah. we would say obviously in the uk it it's, it is really amounting very often to going back to what your grandfather or your
1: grandfather's grandfather would have done Yeah, exactly. Now we realize that it's sort of way back on the, yeah, on things which worked. Uh, You have to accept to to not to have the full production every year, each year. You have to accept to, yeah, to work, just work with nature, but it's nature and it's agriculture. And do
0: you get involved in every aspect of the production process from the vineyard right through to obviously blending
1: the wines. Yes, <laughs> uh, you, you know a, a lot of people think that's winemaker, the winemaker is just the guy uh, is the guy who just come and, and and test the wine and say, okay, that's fine, that's the blend. The winemaker grow the vines. The winemaker plants the vines. Uh, he decide the yes the pruning the is an influence on the on the yields uh, on the harvest dates and the pressing the wine making process of course yes it's uh, i'm a hundred percent involved in all the production wine production aspects because if it's uh, not linked between the production or the grape production or the vine production and the winemaking, I think at the end, you can feel it in the wines.
0: I first fell in love with Provence Rosé in the early 1990s. Um, I used to go and stay in a place not that far from you, uh, uh, Saint-Maxime, near uh, Saint-Tropez. Saint-Tropez, yes. Mm. And uh, in those days, it was possible to go with a plastic container to uh, Ramatuel, to the Cooperative winery there, and fill a plastic container with quite rustic uh, Provence rosé, uh, and have it in a jug in the fridge. And a lot has changed since that time thirty years ago, hasn't it?
1: Yes, yes, a lot of changes. Yes, uh, because I would say globally in Provence, the, the winemaking um, improved a lot, uh, improved a lot with the big the stuff of the big changes was probably at yes, the end of the 90s and beginning of the 2000s. Yeah. A lot of people realized that uh, direct pressing was probably one of the best ways uh, to get uh, balanced rosé. The, a lot of um, improvements on the winemaking due to the uh, temperature controlled uh, in the winery. So globally, we had a lot of, uh, of improvements uh, on, the, on the rosé making. Probably more on the details and the the style change changed the market changed a little uh, the rules changed a little now you can buy just bagging box instead of fill your small container uh, it's a little different but all those things go to a higher quality product and a, yeah high, higher quality for sure. Yes, we call it iterative change. But yes, a series of
0: small changes can make a very big change uh, over time. Absolutely. And you mentioned direct pressing there. And of course, in Provence, you have two uh, options available to you as a winemaker. You have maceration and you have direct pressing. Just explain, uh, if you could, for those who don't know how Provence Rosé is made... Just explain the difference between those and why you think direct pressing is better.
1: In, in Provence, we we, use, we we can cultivate uh, white and uh, red varieties. Rosé uh, is made from uh, sorry uh, red grapes, but the pulp is not colored; uh, it's the, only the skin is is red. Uh, so you pick the grapes, and you have two ways to produce. To produce rosé, uh, the first one is to start. I would say like a red. That means you let the the berries or the skin macerate in in the juice for a few hours, uh, probably maybe one night, and then when the color extraction is uh, enough, when you just it's enough on the intensity and the, of course the taste, you separate the juice, uh, which is now pink and the skins. Uh, The second way is um, to produce exactly the rose as a white wine but with red grapes. That means you pick the grapes, you press them directly or you put them in a press and the color extraction is done only during this short time of pressing. Um, The color is of course lighter and, uh, yeah, as for me, it's probably more delicate uh, on, the, on the process. You probably extract a little less tannin, a little less color. But, yeah, you can have a, from, I think you can have a better balance on the wines. So that's the two ways to, to produce the, the rosé wine. At Le Chateau Le only produce direct pressing rosé. You think that is
0: the more delicate and therefore the more superior way to produce rosé.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, I think, yes, and uh, for sure it's the, the process which, uh, which gives us the, the wine we want and the style we want. What makes the perfect Provence Rosé wine for you? <laughs> First, it must be enjoyable with structure of course a little aromatic but not too high because it's because if it's too high you you are full after one two glasses light aromatic uh not too much uh, and uh, a real balance in the in the mouth and uh, uh, a link with the between the the smell and the testing it must be a a global uh, sensation. You know, it's like an ensemble. Sorry, it's a French word. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the balance is for me the, the most important and uh, the first, yeah, the first sip is very important because it's the first uh, impression you have on the wine after the color, of course, but uh, the first feeling is the one you will remind. So it's very important. Yes. The balance it's, for me, the most important. Yes, you talk about balance
0: a lot. You obviously make red, white and rosé and sparkling wine as well, actually. Yes. Um, and we'll talk about the the others very shortly, but I, I still want to talk about rosé because um, <laughs> I, I love Provence rosé and because um, it is what you're probably most famous for there, certainly in Provence and at Chateau Les Um It is often said that it's the most difficult wine to make. And of course, you make all these different colours of wine and styles of wine. Would you say that rosé is the most challenging?
1: Uh, Yes, for sure. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Uh, I often say yes, because you are probably much more tolerant with the white, which is always white, more or less. It can be green or yellow, but it's still white, and the red is still red, more or less dark i would say but the rosé the color of the rosé is so important because it's the first impression or the first contact you had you have with the wines so it, it, it just when you see the glass it just prepares you to the testing so yes color is one of the additional points very important on the the winemaking and um, if you want to have it balanced and delicate it must be very well done because if there's something wrong you will feel it probably more than in another wine so yeah for me it's um, it's a lot of details a lot of um, precision to, to make the The rosé wine, a balanced rosé wine, yes.
0: And of course, when you're extracting color, you can't go backwards, can you? You can't make it less colored.
1: (laughs) No, no. Oh, there are some methods you you can use when you are not organic and not very respectful of the of the product. But uh, you know, that's not the aim at Châteauneuf. The direct pressing give the the color at the ends, um, even if you know that it will change a little during the fermentation because there's some precipitation. There's some yeah the color can yeah have a have a small evolution and um, and fell down a, a, a little and fall down a, a little. But uh, yeah, that's why the pressing is very important and and the, the day of the harvest and the maturity is very important. Um, and the variety you use are, of course, different and give different colors. Mm, so you have to imagine it when you harvest and when you pick. Um, it's, yeah, the, the pressing is yeah, after the the after the picking and of course the, all the viticulture before that, but uh, just after the picking, the um, the pressing is probably the most important uh, second uh, second operation. I would say,
0: and it's very evident uh, that care that you go through in terms of that process in tasting the wines, and you have a a tear in each of your wines uh four tiers from the love range yeah. which is a you know a negotiant wine uh, uh where you buy in the grapes then you have the estate wine the chateau les Oubes, and then you have a uh, secret and then you have uh the collector range uh at the top and in rosé specifically they're all uh, very different aren't they Yeah, they are
1: <laughs> they are they are different but in the same time and I, I, I really want them to have a not the same style, but the same identity, you know, the Leo wine identity, the, the balance, the, 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 to be very, sorry, it's French translation, but really close to the original product, or yes. really close to the fruits and reveal the, the, yeah, the terroir, uh, the terroir we have and the, and the way we, we cultivate. Uh, so yeah, four wines. Uh, Love is a source wine. Uh, and the aim is just to, to, to offer the, I would say, yeah, a, a, a balanced wine, probably a little more fruity than the other. Maybe what people expect from a rose, a fresh rose in summertime. Uh, and then the Estate wine with Chateau Le and Secret de Le and Collector. Each one has uh, its uh, specificity and its uh, proper style. Um, even if you can recognize that they come from Châteauneuf, in fact, three uh, three wines to answer to three occasions or three moments, I would say, um, uh three different type of customers. Uh, and just for the the last one, collector, I wanted to to produce it as a sort of concentration of. The best characteristic of each wine of the range. That means it's fruity, like Love. Uh, it's bodied, like Chateau. It's salty and uh, very straight on the tasting, like Secret de L'eau. You know, it was it's a sort of concentration of the best quality of each.
0: Provence Rosé is a much more gastronomic wine than sometimes
1: people think. I can't say no. Of course, yes. Of course, uh, uh that's why we also why we we produce uh rosé wine just to to show and uh, to show that uh rosé can be a gastronomic wine. Uh, once again, uh you asked me just before uh, what's the best characteristic of rosé or I don't remember exactly, but you know it must be well done to be very enjoyable or to look very enjoyable and simple wines but if you have it on the table with a a great meal it must be a a part of the 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 moment you know Uh, you you are first when people ask for a rosé they want freshness enjoyable wine a balance and it has to be Surprising, on the table. Uh, so the, the probably the most difficult things is to match the structure of the wine, and body and the, and the balance and the freshness and the enjoyable side of the of the product. But you know, if you just think, rose is a is a white wine made with red grapes. So it can be uh, 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 like a white wine on the table.
0: Yes, like a Burgundy that, uh, or a, a, a fine wine that uh, has a similar kind of gastronomic reputation. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: it can be. Depends on the, of the pairing, of course. But yes, it was very well with yeah, lamb, with uh, all the exotic Food, uh, spicy food, fish too. So, yes, it, it can be on a, on a gastronomic table for sure.
0: Definitely. You make white and red wines uh, as well. Uh, yeah. Tell us about the white wines first, because uh, Provence is much less famous for white wine and red wine than it is rosé obviously i think 90% of provence is, is, is rosé so tell us about the white grapes that you work with
1: yeah exactly we we, we provence is is really dedicated to rosé production because as you said it's 90% of the of the production uh, but it's also a great uh, area f- to produce uh, whites and, and reds. Again, on Chateau Léoub, the aim is to have wines generally and whites especially, uh, with a strong identity um, of of uh, again the balance uh, the aromatic yes but probably uh, less um, I would say less high uh, than you can usually find in Provence uh, because I want them to be I want the wine to be very stable in the time and uh, not to be disappointed after a few months aging so yes uh, I would say to just to, to sum up and to be very uh, Simple and uh, and to be understood. The rosé and whites on Châteauneuf are exactly made in the same way. The only differences are the only difference is the grapes and the color of the grapes and the variety, of course. Uh, so we use for the white production uh, Semillon and uh, blanc and vermontino So Semillon and blanc are usually used in other area in France, uh, and give different, uh, style. But in the terroir we have, uh, and the yield and the low yield we have and the maturity we have, the, the, the result is completely different. And then the, the role, uh, which is Vermontino is, uh, really, it's used a lot in Provence. We, we use it for part of the blend uh, just, to have, just to bring a part of uh, the aromatic. It's a delicious uh, grape, I think. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And, and in the blend, uh, brings, uh, yeah, as it has its role in the, in the blend uh, with, uh, with Semillon and Mini Blanc. And we have exactly the same ra- range. Uh, on the whites, it means Love White um, Chateau de White uh, Secret de Hube on White and Collector uh, on White too and then that brings us to the red wines again
0: Provence isn't celebrated in the same way for its uh, red wines, but you have all of those red grapes there from which you make rosé, so uh, the likes of Grenache and, um, and, yeah. and Syrah and, and the rest. And so tell us about the
1: red wines that you make. Yes, as you said, we we can use the same variety we use for the rosé making, mainly uh, Syrah and uh, Grenache and so, and um, a part of Cabane Sauvignon too. That's called the main variety we use. Here at uh, Château Le of course, Provence is not, uh, I would say, well known for the for the reds because there's many, many other areas in France and in the world uh, which produce uh, great reds. But we can produce here. I would say, yes. Again, sorry, it's always the same thing, but it's very important for me: balance wine and not to ex- not over extracted wines. It's probably, yeah, it changed probably a little, and uh, it's probably not. The 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 style today is probably not the style that people have in mind uh, for a few decades. It can be powerful, yes. Can be extracted, yes. Uh, high alcohol level, yes, because maturity can go very high here if we if you don't really careful. But at the end, it gives. Round wines and balanced wine. And again, the aim for the Châteloup wines is to get this roundness and balance. Uh, because I think then when you order a bottle of wine, you just want to enjoy. It. Of course, if you are a professional, you just test really technically the, the first, um, the first sip. But at the end, the aim is just to enjoy and, and pair, and pair with the, with the meal. So, it's important to get, in the same time, structural wines, but very enjoyable and round in the same time. That's what I call the balance. Um, and again, we have four reds, Love, Chateau L'Hoube, secret de L'Hoube, and Collector Reds, with different style, different uh, concentration, probably, always on the fruits. Uh, fresh or more mature depends on which one you go in the range but i'm really careful of the extraction to be really balanced and to have a, a, a real balance between the alcohol and the the tannin extraction yes and the collector wine
0: your top wine in that range of reds is rather different to the other reds because uh, the boss, Mr Bamford or Lord Bamford, I should say, sorry, he basically asked you to make a Super Tuscan, didn't he?
1: Yes, that was the, the reference uh, because he's uh, very impressed by the Super Tuscan wines for the wine uh, by the wines, of course, and probably the success they they had. And yes, as uh, we are. Uh, on the same latitude and not far from the sea, exactly as uh, Super Tuscan can be. Uh, he thought and asked me to produce a, what he called a Super Provence wine. Uh, so yes, that was the, the, the challenge. Uh, so I, I won't say it's a Super Tuscan wine. It's not. Uh, it's probably a different style inspired by, yeah, Toscan wines or I would say, more traditional variety because it's made from uh, Cabernet Sauvignon and Cabernet Franc and uh, age uh, 24 or 36 months in demi Minuit. That means 600 barrels. The aim was to uh, use those varieties, have probably a different style, show people that we can produce different style and different wines in Provence, especially where we are in Chateau des Houbes, and yes, keep produce a different style but keeping the this balance and the roundness of and uh, sorry, but it's very important to get drinkable wines. Um so it's more extracted, more tannic probably, uh different style but still very enjoyable. Yes. yes. Yeah that was the that was uh, one of the challenge, yeah. <laughs> It was a challenge, but it, it, uh, I tasted it just before uh, Christmas
0: and it, it's a fantastic wine. It, it's really delicious. And I was drinking it quite young, but, uh, you know, it will go on for um, for a, a long time. And it's a good point for you to explain something that is in tasting notes sometimes, but isn't widely understood. Mackie.
1: Uh, the Mackie is like, uh, sorry, you can call it bouche. It's like uh, the small vegetation uh, uh, you have in the in the hills here. Uh, so it dry, it looks very dry and uh, and very rustic, but gives some smells in the air uh, where we are, uh, especially in uh, in summer. And has sometimes the the wine looks a little stronger. Uh, Maybe the part of the alcohol concentration, you know, South wines, uh, can give you or can remind you this smell, but it doesn't smell the, the rosemary or something like that in the wine, but just remind you that, uh, it comes from the South. Yes. The yeah. yeah. The small bush around there, uh, in the hills and uh, with a lot of, uh, of, uh, smells. Yes.
0: Yeah, it's one of the wonders of uh, Provence is the aromatics, the smells in the air, and the wines have this ability to uh, reconnect you with the place. I think it's uh, a stronger emotion for Provence Rosé than it is for almost any other wine that I can think of. It's a a wonderful thing. Which brings us to our final question, desert island wine. So this is, uh, (laughs) you're you're stuck on an island, let's say it's a um and you can only
1: have uh, one wine ever again what would it be depends if it's one pallet or just one bottle <laughs> ah, no it's a bottle <laughs> uh if it's in porquerolle
0: it could be any island it's not really a desert island porquerolle is it but, but, <laughs> no it's not but it's, uh, be, it's yeah. an island somewhere and you're uh, on your own and you've got one bottle of wine
1: Ah, not easy. If I'm on my own, it's it's not a Provence wine, sorry, but it's one of my best souvenirs. A Mercure Blanc, 89. Yeah, probably, probably yes. And if it's just to remind of my life, I would have a Collector Rosé, 21. Okay, so very nifty
0: answer there. You managed to get two wines on your desert island. Um, (laughs) Yeah, very good. (laughs) Yeah, but I love wine, sorry. (laughs) Romain, it's a great pleasure to talk to you, and um, I I, I so enjoy your uh, wines, and uh, I I look forward one day to, uh, to coming back to... which is so beautiful and and watching you at work uh, crafting those wines but thanks so much for sharing your your time
1: and uh, your expertise with us here on the drinking hour thanks it was a pleasure really just to to, yeah to to share the yeah the winemaking and the way we cultivate the way we produce again uh, we produce wine for customers and for people who just want to enjoy life So I'm really glad to be a part of it. The Drinking Hour with David Kermode in partnership with Club Onologique. The world through the lens of wine and spirits.
0: We round off as ever with some medal winners from the IWSC Hall of Fame. And our focus is on Provence for fairly obvious reasons. And how lovely to kick off with the silver for one of Romance wines. This is actually their entry level rosé, Love by Laube 2022, deliciously fruity and certainly sessionable. The judges were overseen here by Darcy Viana Jr. MW and here's what the panel said about Love. Fresh peach nose and amazing peachy texture. The palate is a lovely meld of citrus, stone fruit, strawberry flavors and floral notes. Good weight and crunchy acidity. Mirabeau X 2022 was a silver medal winner with 92 points uh, from the stable owned by Stephen and Jeannie Cronk. Uh, she was recently a guest, episode 140. And the pair of them also joined me a couple of years ago too. I was on the judging panel for this wine and here's what we said. Summer fruits cascade from the wine. Peach, peony and garigue herbal notes add their richness, attractive depth and the finish leaves just the right amount of minerality. Chateau La gourdonne La Chapelle Tête de Couvet 2022, was a silver medal winner. Another one that uh, I helped assess. We gave it a silver saying it was lithe and focused with batonnage complexity. Strawberries and raspberries with creaminess, fresh and juicy, we said. As we uh, discussed earlier, it's not just about rosé when it comes to Provence. Uh, Chateau Malherbe, Grand Vin, 2021 from the Côte de Provence appellation was strong silver with 93 points and this is a blend of roll, aka Vermentino in Italy and also Semillon here's the judging panel's tasting note balanced yet complex with barrel oak and white chocolate held up by balanced acidity ripe fruits on the nose and palate juicy apples green melon and praline sprinkled tart tatin lovely tasting note and from the same stable, a red Chateau Malherbe, Madame Ferrari 2021, also won a silver, a blend, equal parts, Salso, Mourverde, Roll and Grenache. The judging panel overseen by Ali Cooper MW. And here's their tasting note, fresh and light with red apple, cranberry, red summer fruits, pomegranate and a light dusting of spice that's it for another edition of the drinking hour my thanks to romain and to you for listening hope you enjoyed it you can follow us at food fm radio on instagram or x the new name for twitter and i am mr Venusaurus on both of those platforms until next time though it's goodbye
1: the drinking hour with david kermode in partnership with club on the world through the lens of wine and spirits To find out more about Food FM and our content, go to foodfmradio.com.